Welcome to Change Your Story, Change Your Life. I'm your host, Louis DiBianco. Hello, storytellers. Let's talk today about the coronavirus, but not in a pessimistic way. I want to begin by introducing you to a game. You may or may not know it. It's called the telephone game. It's a great party game, but as you will see in a moment, it goes way beyond just playing. It's very simple. This is how it works. You gather a group of people together, let's say seven or eight, and you form a line. They don't have to be standing. They could be sitting But it's a line of people. One person whispers a word or a phrase into a person's ear, and then that person turns to the person next to them and whispers the same word or phrase, and it continues until everyone has heard the same word or phrase. And guess what happens? By the time it has gotten to the last person, the word or the phrase has changed. You might say, come on. Well, I participated in this game once. In a group setting, it was actually a training, and we were using the game as a form of social training and I experienced it firsthand. It's fun to play, but beyond that, what an eye-opener it is. So that's how it works. So what has this got to do with coronavirus? Well, but before, well, before I get into that, let me give you a specific example of some of the phrases or sentences that a person can use. As a matter of fact, it's better to play this with short phrases and short sentences. It makes it a little more challenging and a little more, it demands a little more focused listening on everybody's part, which is ultimately good. So here's an example of a phrase. Red roses with thorny stems. Here's an example of a sentence. Dogs dig holes for big bones. Simple, right? Elementary. I mean, they may use those in first grade. Those phrase, that, that phrase and that sentence will change when it goes through the entire line of people. Now, What does it have to do with coronavirus? Well, consider that the word or the phrase or the sentence is a fact. And then the fact goes through different channels. We'll call the people links in the telephone line. And as it goes from one link in the line to another, Consider those links filters. The filters have an impact 
on what happens to the word, phrase, sentence, and the impact is that they will change. So coronavirus is a fact. And then let's begin to see how it would play out in a game. That fact is received by reporters. We'll call them the first links in the telephone line. The reporters transfer that data about that fact to their media outlets. And then the media outlets filter those and send them to you. They eventually get onto the internet, probably very quickly get onto the internet, and the internet becomes another link in the line transmitting this fact to the people who see it or hear it, podcast, see it in a video, read it in a blog post. Each time, slightly modified. If each link in the line is a filter, how do filters modify facts? Well, depends on a lot of things. Depends on their particular bias. CNN is a filter. So is CNBC. So is Al Jazeera. So is Fox News. We're not going to single any one of them out as correct. They're just different. And each one will present the fact differently to you, depending on their bias and on their mandate for doing business. Doing business? Of course. News stations are there to capture as large an audience as possible and to make profit. And so, one of the ways that they do it is to take facts and present them in the most startling and captivating way possible, entertaining, if you like, even if it's horrific entertainment, like a horror movie. And the moment they do that, they have taken the objective fact and they've modified it. But here's what's real. So here's another big factor that's happening right now during coronavirus. In the United States, there's a presidential election happening this year. Now, presidential candidates are debating on the media. Their mandate is to win voters to their side. They're going to use information about the coronavirus and present it in such a way to their constituents that will attract their constituents and perhaps even more people to their camp. That bias will definitely influence the way they communicate the fact so that the the fact gets modified. It gets changed. And then let's talk about this very other important link in the chain, you, the public, me, the public. People hear things on the news. They go to work. 
There are lunch conversations. There are conversations around the water cooler. These often turn into embellished stories depending on who the storyteller is. You can see how easily a fact can become an exaggerated rumor. And being what we are as human beings, we kind of like things that charge up our adrenaline. We enjoy watching fearful movies. We like getting scared. So it's not unreasonable that many of the stories right now that are circulating around this virus have been embellished and have altered the truth of the fact. Why is this important? Because the stories that you are allowing yourselves to hear and then to repeat and to embellish are themselves viruses. They're viruses because the ones that really begin to dramatically paint a very terrifying picture and people, even though they are afraid of this picture, will focus on it and spread it. This is damaging to our mental balance. It is damaging because it has a really quick ripple effect, like a pebble or a rock being dropped into a lake will ripple out and affect the entire body of water. So it's really important to stay focused. So you may be thinking, great, but how can I make a difference? Well, you really, really can. We're going to set up, before I do, before I set up a set of guidelines for you to turn this around and to make it positive and to even make it uplifting for you, I want you to create a rule for the game that you're going to play, this self-empowerment game. And the rule is this. Any story that elevates your anxiety and your sense of helplessness, you decide to avoid it and definitely not to spread it because it is a dangerous virus. Let's face it. If a story becomes so vivid and so frightening, the people who focus on it and who spread it and share it will feel helpless and will feel paralyzed. How is that going to help you or anyone during this crisis? Any storyline that diminishes who you are and makes you feel small or desperate? Again, it's a dangerous virus. Take all precautions against it and definitely take steps to avoid them and to eliminate them once you're aware of them. Here are three things that you can do right now to counteract the mind virus, start to feel better, start to feel more calm. Some of you may be thinking, well, why should I bother to feel better and feel calm? It's a pretty disastrous time. The reason you want to is because the calmer you are, the healthier you 
your body is. Stress wears the body down. Stress releases toxic chemicals into your body and into your uh, entire system. So if there's already a virus, and I'm not saying that there isn't. Yes, there is. Is it serious? Yes, it is. But again, it's the fact. It's the first phrase, word, or sentence at the beginning of the telephone game. It is not the one that comes out at the end that's been twisted and modified. So if you do everything in your power to stay focused, to stay calm, to stay optimistic, and to spread that optimism and empower other people, your chemical balance will be one that supports your immune system. If you don't believe me, just do a little bit of research on that. Science will back it up. So here are three ways to counteract the mind viruses. Tonight, or as soon as you hear this, do research, and your aim is to find three things that are good news about this virus. You don't think you can? I'm going to give you three that a mentor of mine discovered with a little bit of research just last night. One, a baby, newborn baby, contracted the coronavirus and overcame it, beat it within 17 days. What about the elderly? We're told that people 80 years of age and over, they stand a very good chance of contracting it and being killed by it. However, what about this? Fact. A 103-year-old woman in the very province in China where this coronavirus began, got the virus and beat it. How about this? I'm going to give you four. All 42 Apple stores that had been closed in China have reopened. Think about that. That's, and we're still in the early stages, they've reopened. Not irresponsibly. They did it for a reason. Because they're seeing signals that they're getting ahead of this. Here's another great good news fact about uh, surrounding coronavirus. China had built 17 makeshift hospitals. They had converted buildings into hospitals that were designated specifically for people who contracted the virus. Guess what? They've closed all of them. Why? No, not because they're evil or they didn't have the money to sustain them. They closed them because they weren't, they got to a point already where they weren't getting enough cases of new cases to warrant keeping these open. So that was yesterday. Steps are being taken to combat this all around the world. Some of you may be thinking about Italy. Well, what about Italy? That's where it's really bad. Yes, it is. And you also have to remember that there's a very large older population there with many people who may already have underlying conditions that make them susceptible to succumbing to the virus. So your first step 
is to research and find three things that are good news surrounding the virus. Number two, create a group online or connect with one aimed at empowering the people in it. You can set guidelines for that group. You can go out and gather like-minded people and friends. The beauty of it is that since you have social isolation, you overcome that by meeting, let's say, on Zoom or Skype. And now you can see each other, feel each other's energy, talk face-to-face. The guidelines I would use, just here's three. You must introduce gratitude. Everyone must bring an element of gratitude every time you meet. Some form of humor, which is healing. And some discussion that encourages mutual creativity. Gratitude, humor, and creativity. That's step number two. Step number three. Start doing some long-term thinking by researching the power of communication and of working online, and you'll begin to discover that this is becoming more and more the norm, and in the very near future, it will be the mainstream. Most of our lives will be conducted online. Many things that we still habitually do Offline, we'll be doing online. Teaching, for instance. Shopping is already happening, but it'll be even much more when we have new uh, virtual tools at our disposal. Read a couple of books that will reinforce your understanding of this. Here's one. Bold. How to Go Big, Create Wealth, and Impact the World by Peter Diamandis and Stephen Cutler. I've mentioned this many times on my podcast. It's certainly relevant right now. Not only is it a very intelligent, well-documented book that presents the science and all of the evidence about what's happening in our digital revolution, but it's empowering to you. You may make a discovery during this challenging time that you have found a new way even to earn money and to make a contribution to the world by using more resources online. So recap, three things that you can do right now to counteract the mind viruses and introduce healthy, empowering stories or narratives into your life and the lives of others. One, Research three things as soon as you hear this podcast that are going to be some good news surrounding coronavirus. Two, create a group online or connect with one that's already existing. Meet on a regular basis to empower each other with and using guidelines such as everyone brings elements of gratitude, humor, creativity. And three, Start doing more research and reading about the power of communication and working online and how it's going to become a major factor in all of our lives in the very near future. With that, I can't emphasize more strongly that by listening to this and by implementing 
some or all of it, you are actively changing your story to change your life.